Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real. Today, I'm going to talk to you about a book I recently took a dive into called Risk by Dan Gardner. It talks about the science and politics of fear, like how people can actually manipulate you using fear neurologically. And we know that, of course, like I said, Scientists, politicians, the media, they all use this tactic. So this was a very interesting subject to dive into. And I thought, hey, you guys need to know about this. So why not share it with you? So for years now, we've been putting together a more complete view of how the human brain operates. Neuroscientists, psychologists, biohackers, and the world's greatest minds have found when it comes to emotions... And our decisions based on them, we can't be as certain as we actually think. Most people are pretty damn certain that they know what they think they know. But a lot of times they're wrong. Today I want you to peer into the brain related to the emotion fear. This is very relevant today, obviously, with all the fear monger tactics being used everywhere. So the brain isn't that good at judging fear. Survival instinct can actually make for some ridiculous or plain stupid ass fucking decisions. Because it's just your subconscious knee jerk reactions. If you know this and the way people take advantage of that, then you can use more critical thinking instead of the knee jerk reaction. After my research, I see the safest time in human history looking at this time right now. And that's not what you're told. This is the scariest. This is, you know, crime everywhere, riots, um, blacks and whites hating one another, the racial divide they're trying to exploit and push upon us when... I think more people here in America love one another than ever before. There's not some big racial divide. And then, um, of course, suppressing us into our homes and the fear mongering, the wearing masks, the death counter that we're watching all the time on TV and number of cases. And I'm not going to go into all the bullshit I think about that because that's what I think it is, is bullshit. Anyways, this deserves a deep sigh of relief and gratitude because if you really understand that we're in the safest time in history, then you can let go of some of the fear that you're holding on to about end of the world type status and uh, some new hierarchy of government coming in and taking control over everything. And I mean, hey, if it comes down to that, we just got to stand up as the people because we outnumber the government and tell them that we're not going to do what they want us to do now so 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 far i've seen nothing but subservience and people just too scared to stand up for what they believe in but that doesn't mean it can't change all right so yeah 21st century is actually pretty damn awesome so let's look at some modern day false fears And I'm going to go through some scientific-based stats, evidence, things like that. 
Um, and it's very interesting. Okay, so like terrorism, climate change, pandemics. Oh my. Do we really live in such dangerous times? We now are being constantly told safety is at risk as humans have gotten more technologically advanced with televisions and news outlets. Certain stories seem to be more prevalent. You've heard the term, it bleeds, it leads. Stories of cancer, terrorism, obesity, heart disease, kidnapping, etc. You don't see no good shit on the news, do you? It just did, did, hardly ever fucking happens because that's not what gets you to watch. We like blood, death, gore, scare tactics, fear. I mean, look back at the Roman society and the gladiator, gladi, gladiators in the arena chopping up people, people and the, the animals and all the death there. I can't even fathom the death toll over the time period of the Romans, the people that they killed for entertainment during that period of time. So most of this garbage is greatly exaggerated or completely. Our risk assessments are far off simply because of how our brain is hardwired. The brain's operating system is out of date it worked wonderful in our ancestral past. Now everything can seemingly cause panic, fright, and anxiety. So 500,000 years ago, our brain grew from 650 cubic centimeters to 1,200 cubic centimeters. That's almost double. 1,200 is only slightly smaller than our brain's current size, 1,400 cubic centimeters. This was established some 200,000 years ago. Our brain hasn't updated since then. That's a long time. Agriculture started 12,000 years ago. The first cities were established 4,600 years ago. The brain hasn't developed at the same pace as the environment that we live in now. So those are some facts for you to look at. 200,000 years, our brain's been the same. Fuck me. How do you feel about snakes? Do you like them? Some people do. Some people love them. Most people are scared shitless of them, and it's an inherent fear. Everybody is born with the fear of snakes for good reason, because most of them can easily fucking kill you. All the venom they have, the bites. I mean, it's, as long as you get bit by a deadly snake and get to somebody that at a hospital has the anti-venom, you can be saved. Lots of people experienced extreme necrosis um, where there's flesh that dies from where the bite was at and a big chunk will fall off of them. So anyways, more for about snakes. You can unlearn this fear. Some do. But the point is it's hardwired from times past. Even folks living in Antarctica, no snakes there, have this innate fear. It's no snakes are in their natural habitat. But somehow they know how to be afraid of snakes. Car accidents are far more dangerous, but alas, our brain has not evolved to fear car crashes. I mean, seriously, think how many people die from car crashes all the time, every day. The law of similarity is another holdover from the past. Humans will believe something is similar simply because it looks similar. I found a study where people refused to eat hot fudge in the shape of dog dew. 
Even though they are assured in many ways, it's only delicious fudge. The law of similarity says it looks like shit. I don't care if it's fudge. I'm not going to eat it. And this study brings up a story from my past because my cousin, which I won't name, when I was younger, did a little trick on a friend. He said, my mom made fresh fudge. You guys want some? No, I don't want any. But this kid, the, the other friend, he does. So cousin runs inside, comes out with a plate of fresh fudge with whipped cream on top. And the kid grabs a spoon and starts to smell it. And he's like, this does not smell right. This, this smells horrible. Well, he cut into it. He was reassured by my cousin. It was fresh fudge that mother just made. Well, he decided not to eat it. And thank God he didn't because my cousin went in and shit on a plate and sprayed whipped cream on it to see if he would eat it. So anyways, I just thought that was freaking hilarious that he did that. And it would have been horrendous if this kid would have took a bite of it. But there's just some stories from the past. Jackass stories. You know, I've got lots of those. Okay, so there are two defining cognitive cognitive systems we humans use. Both process information differently. Everyone knows our mind can play tricks on us. As kids, we may have seen a shadow in the corner at bedtime. You turn on a light and there's no boogeyman. That figure you saw in the corner, that shadow... It was just a jacket hanging there. As an adult, you could walk in the yard and fear makes you jump. Your heart's racing. (gasps) Oh, fuck a snake. Upon closer inspection, it's the fucking water hose, you moron. I mean, these things happen. We've all had experiences like this. Daniel Kahneman won a Nobel Prize for his research in this area. Cognitive system number one, or gut Gut feelings, gut instinct, it reacts quickly without conscious thoughts when you feel intuitively something is right or wrong without knowing why. This is your subconscious just automatically at work. Here are the simple rules of the system. The law of similarity is part of system one. If something looks like a bear, well then it's probably a fucking bear and you should goddamn run as fast as you can before it eats you. System one can often be inaccurate though. Say you're at a horror movie and you see spiders crawling towards the camera or an axe murderer chop off somebody's head. Well, you're going to jump. You might scream. There's no need for all that. It's a movie. But this is an example of how System 1 can betray you. So, on to System 2. System 2 is head or logic, consciousness, conscious thought. When you carefully think through a math problem or a difficult situation, it can remind us to calm down over a terrorist attack or dying of a novel virus. Because logically, there's almost no chance that it's really going to happen. System 2 still has some flaws, though. First, it's much slower than System 1. System 1 is reactionary. It's instantaneous. You don't have to think about it. Second, it must be fed by education to form the logic for you to make the decisions. Or we default back to System 1. 
So, two things can cause illogical thinking. System one, the gut can lead to brain decisions because it relies on heuristics. What are heuristics? They are shortcuts in knowledge that tell us what we should do. The rule of typical things is an example. This rule says when a question contains information we find typical, our intuition takes over to find that answer. Okay, let's move on to the availability rule. It's another part of your gut. Your gut is highly influenced by the ease with which an example appears. Here's an example. An earthquake. After a major earthquake, statistically, it is an impossibility that another one will immediately follow. Seismic activity is usually reported well before a big earthquake. We have lots of people monitoring this shit. But people always buy insurance after a huge earthquake, which is not logical. Instead of before, when they are hearing there is seismic activity, seismic activity, excuse me, reported in their area. That would be the best logic. Seismic activity has been reported in my area. I better get my insurance policy in case there's about to be an earthquake. See what I mean? Logic. The way it works sometimes, our brains are just... They're wonderful, beautiful, powerful computers, but sometimes they do the stupidest things. Our brains love anecdotal evidence better than hard facts. Like, here's a great example. Breast implants cause cancer. I saw it on TV. So that's it. I know they cause cancer. Statements like this is an anecdote. It means you heard about it. It doesn't mean that it's true. It doesn't mean there was scientific validated evidence on it. You don't you don't know shit. You just think it's well, it's on TV, so they wouldn't pass along false information, right? Right. Fake news. Mr. Donald Trump introduced us to that. Statements made on TV or from other seemingly credible persons can literally brainwash you. This is propaganda. Making them swear it's truth until the facts are actually shown. I would say this current time we are in right now is proof of this brainwashing technique. Without me going into great details, you know exactly what I'm saying. But let's stick with breast implants and cancer. Okay? In 1994, the America media ran a number of stories about women who apparently developed cancer from Dow silicone implants. The news flooded the airways with stories of toxic titties. Nasty toxic titties giving you cancer, fucking you up. But there wasn't any scientific evidence to support the claims, just bad publicity and finger pointing. Despite this, some lawyers put together a class action lawsuit and in the end gathered huge support. Over half the women in America that had implants joined in on this class action lawsuit. 
In the end, Dow Corning shelled out $4.25 billion motherfucking dollars, which bankrupted this division of the corporation, not the whole company Dow. But not long after, a scientific study seems to have came out, and it proved no correlation between the implants and cancer. Too late. The payout was already settled. And lots of people still just would not believe the science then because they had been brainwashed by the media. Government and big corporations know how to manipulate you using fear. Pharmaceutical companies often use fear mongering. It's an accepted part of the industry. One major method, don't convince the person that is sick to take a pill or a shot. Instead, convince the healthy person something is wrong that a pill or shot can definitely fix. Doctors should stop this with the Hippocratic Oath. I mean, because they took it. And that oath is, thou shall not do harm to others. So what the fuck are doctors doing this shit for? They're literally letting money dominate what they do. The pharmaceutical companies give them kickbacks, take them on trips, dinners. And they just push the shit. Or unnecessary surgeries even. Dr. Jerome Kaiser from Tufts University says, This is why these companies spend so much on marketing. They simply earn more money by convincing people they need drugs. So, I mean, uh, not they need drugs. I mean, convincing people they're sick. (laughs) So, here's another example. GlaxoSmithKline. This is a good one. Confidential sales plans were leaked for a medicine called Latrinix. Latrinix was supposed to cure irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. Lots of people have heard of it or have it. So GlaxoSmithKline, I'm just going to call GSK. GSK influenced doctors to be vague on symptoms so it could be linked to the common stomach issue, nausea, bloating, etc. It was all IBS now. GSK also arranged a panel of key opinion leaders and doctors from well-known medical foundations, and they were all associated with this sales plan. That is fucked up. They knew that Latrinix was found to cause serious, even fatal side effects And they were pushing this drug out on the market, even though they knew they were going to fuck people up and kill them. But they got caught. They got caught. They got in deep shit for it. So don't think they're the only isolated case. Lots of companies get away with this stuff. It's very rare when they get caught. Politicians can and do use the same techniques. The politics of fear is a phrase most have heard. Political ads almost always appeal to emotions instead of sticking with the facts on the pertinent issues. Like, you know, foreign affairs, um, 
homelessness, abortions here in this country, just uh, health care, education, the, the kind of stuff that matters. But when you see their ads, it's all emotional or it's cutting down the other candidate. So a study from University of Michigan found 79% of ads based on emotional issues, especially fear. So there you go. 79% of those ads all based on bullshit that doesn't even it's just to sway you emotionally to fuck with your head, your subconscious to make you vote for them. When you should want to and be demanding to hear what is your plan to make the fucking world better? To make America better. Consider the Iraq war. It was on the basis of fear of weapons of mass destruction. George Bush. The story sold the war and the war was had. But weapons of mass destruction were never found. You know what? No one was ever held accountable. Not George Bush, nobody in his cabinet, none of the people that worked with him. Nobody ever said shit. Somehow it didn't get reported on, really. Not much. There was some little reports here and there. Ugh. Dirty, disgusting, scoundrel, bastard, cocksucker, motherfuckers. Our understanding of crime is skewed by bad risk perception. Franklin D. Roosevelt made a strong point in saying, all we have to fear is fear itself. That's a wonderful quote. Let's look at media coverage of crime. The most prevalent issues aren't reported. It seems the news is obsessed with crime because it commands people's attention. Decreases in crime? Well, that does not. Imagine the government releasing documentation stating crime has risen by two-thirds. The media would swarm to it like flies to a pile of fucking shit. They'd be all over it. Let's say the opposite info was provided. Crime dropped two-thirds. You would not hear a single word about it. We know this for a fact. Why? It happened in 2006. Some more stats for you. In 2006, the U.S. Bureau of Statistics released a report of two-thirds decline in domestic violence, domestic assault. This would have been wonderful news, but you probably guessed, completely unreported. It's no wonder people are in constant states of fear. Stories are always surrounding us about negativity and bad stuff, crime, things that cause fear. In 2007, the media bombarded the public with worries of pedophilia. Those guilty of such crimes supposedly lurking in every shadow. <laughs> the U.S. Attorney General, CNN's Anderson Cooper... And countless others cried, we must be on alert. Cooper even did an hour-long special on this, wildly exaggerating the dangers. The highlight was an excerpt from the show showing children how to break free from a fucking trunk of a car to get away from their pedophilic 
bastards that were driving them off to the woods to sodomize their young bottoms. Oh, my God, Anderson Cooper, you fucking idiot. A study by N-I-S-M-A-R-T, which I don't even know what that acronym stands for, um, found that of 7,907,000 7, children reported missing, only 115 were connected to pedophiles. 797,000 children reported missing. Only 115 were connected to pedophiles. Why are we blowing this out of proportion? Why are we making these ghastly reports on TV to scare the shit out of people? There are 70 million children in the United States. That means the risk of being kidnapped is 1 in 608,696. Or 0.00016%. Anderson Cooper, you are a jackass. Just trying to scare the fuck out of people. Because it gets ratings. Ratings bring money. Uh, The risk of children drowning in a swimming pool is three times as high. So we should be scared to death of swimming pools, right? Well, fear-mongering child rapists on the loose is more fun for the media. And we know why. It's, it's people's response, man. You love to watch dramatic, crazy shit on TV. I do, too. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and blame everybody else but myself. But what I've done, literally, is got so disgusted by it, I stopped watching the news. I mean, sometimes shit's a train wreck, and it's just, you can't turn away, you can't stop looking, but this shit's ridiculous. So, let's move on anyways. After 9-11, we all know about 9-11, the terrorist attack. And then after that terrorist attack, terrorism has always been a prevalent fear. It spiked, it it hit a crescendo, but it dropped, but it's never completely went away. We had other stuff like the Boston bombing and stuff like that. So despite the fact terrorist threats and activities have only decreased, polls have always been active measuring people's concern of terrorism. After 9-11, of course, it was extremely high due to the law of example. You see it happen, you believe it's going to happen again. Still many years later, numbers drop but never disappeared thanks to the media's help, of course. If you're afraid of dying, terrorism should not cross your mind. Even on 9-11, look at the stats. One in 93,000 or 0.000106%, the annual risk of being hit by a car is twice as high. Even if the same attack happened every day for a year, the chance you would die is one in 7,750 or O. it's not O. let's call it zero. 0.0127%. Less than a percent. 
that's if the damn 9-11 attack happened every fucking day of the year. And but people go crazy when a little incident happens. Not a little incident. 9-11 was horrible. It was a big incident. But still, consider this. There's 18,000 unnecessary deaths due to lack of health insurance every year. That would be like six 9-11 attacks every year. And nobody says shit. And we don't take care of people here in America that don't have health coverage. Oh, you don't have health health insurance? Get the fuck out of here. Where's your insurance card? Oh, I'm sorry. You got a knife lodged in your gut. Go down to the uh, county hospital and wait in line with that knife sticking out of you. Aren't stats wonderful? Stats tell us so much. Stats are fun. Fear-monger techniques make you forget we are in the safest times right now. All over the world, people now live longer than ever before. Countries use life expectancy to measure wealth and development. The more access you have to health care, the longer you will live. Hmm, it correlates. A 2006 study on global health trends by... The World Health Organization, which I think are a bunch of scum suckers, found as we move towards 2030, child mortality will fall and life expectancy will rise in every corner of the globe. Every decade since being measured shows improvement. Even in the poorest country, Niger. Just remember, this is the healthiest and wealthiest time in history. Risks are often perceived inaccurately, a big portion due to the stories and the fear-mongering that surround us. Those that count on exploiting this want you to use gut and knee-jerk reactions. Use critical thinking. You got to, especially right now. Ask questions about everything. Find alternative points of view. Then make your decision. If anything has you afraid, it has you under its control. And I say, fuck that. So what do you guys think about all this fear mongering? Are you aware of it? Or are you completely blinded? Some people absolutely believe everything that they are told. Some people take in the media, they take in the stuff they're scrolling through on Facebook, they see whatever it may be. I don't want to keep talking about the situation we're going through right now because I've ragged the shit out of it and I could just keep going, but there's alternative points of view. There's different ways of looking at things instead of having your subconscious knee jerk reaction and just believing the first idiot that delivers information to you. So please try and think with some critical thinking, some deep thought, and do a little research. If something sounds fishy, then it might be bullshit. And you're all smart people, right? I mean, the people listening to this podcast have got to be smart people. So anyways, I had to share this in-depth kind of psychological take on fear-mongering with the people. And it was wonderful information I found out. I loved all the studies. 
and the facts and the stats because it just shows you how irrational people can be. So with that being said, now I need to talk with you about this podcast. If you are enjoying this material, I would love it if you would stop by whatever podcast site you're using and rate and review subscribe and if you could do me a favor if you enjoy this show tell a friend just one friend just pass it along to somebody because I'm growing organically grassroots here from the bottom up I'm not using advertising I don't have the money for advertising this is my passion my love I'm doing on the side so all those that can help me please do so And if you have any kind of feedback for me, something you'd like to share with me about subject material or possibly what sucks about the show or what's fucking awesome about the show, well, please contact me. You can send me an email. Contact Keeping It Real at gmail.com contact keeping it real at gmail.com and then if you look up keeping it real with jay scott i have a facebook i have an instagram i have a twitter there's business pages there's personal pages you can find me you got my email now too so i would love to hear from you Tell me what I can do to make this better because I'm trying to deliver valuable information, something to entertain you, to get you through the day, to get you through work, through a a workout, through doing the dishes, through doing chores around the house, through taking a shit, through whatever it is that you're up to. I want to be there with you, delivering you some form of entertainment when you need it. So help me out doing a better job of that. Get in contact with me. And again, as I said, if you're enjoying it, just subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend, help a brother out. I love you guys and girls out there in uh, podcast land. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you on the next episode. It should be my next episode should be on autoimmune disease, inflammation. Very interesting subject. It's something I've had experience with because I have psoriasis. So there's lots of different kinds of autoimmune diseases and many people are suffering from it or chronic inflammation these days. So let's get a handle on this shit together and put an end to it. If we can't put in full remission, we can at least quiet down the symptoms to where they're not controlling our lives anymore. So that's that. I'm fucking done. Now I get to go get fucking shit face drunk and puke. Not really. That's not my thing. I just, every once in a while, you know, if you were here, I'd kick back, have a drink with you, but I'm by myself, so I don't sit around and pity drink while I'm all by myself. So, I guess I'm just going to go fuck off. (laughs) Take care. Love you guys again. And I will see you on the next episode of Keeping It Real, all right? Later, folks. Keeping it real.
Do not consider these episodes as medical advice or expertise in any area. I do deconstruct some experts and their material and deliver it to you, but please do all of this at your own risk. <laughs>